Uh, we're going to spend a little time in there. Uh, and I want to go over with you, um, I'm not going to say the two biggest problems, although I think one of them is, is definitely, um, if not both. But they're definitely two of the uh, biggest problems and issues in the church today. And I will tell you right now that I'm not just talking about the modern church. I'm talking about every church. I'm talking about you and me um, in some of this. Uh, come over to, to uh, Acts chapter 3. Um, I hope you read through your Bible regularly. Um, has anybody read through the book of Acts recently? No? The book of Acts is a great, is a great book. I, I, I like it. it. It's a transitional book, right? We've talked about that. It's transitional. So the way it starts out is not the way it ends, okay? A lot of things are, are changing. It's a, a book you have to be very careful with doctrinally. Uh, because there's so much going on, going from uh, the Lord's ministry and him trying to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel and them rejecting him and it going to the Gentiles. But what I love about the book of Acts is that it's like a giant canvas. I mean, like this big, okay? It's, it's that big, and, and most of your New Testament is, is laid out within it. Okay, you, you get the over, it's like the overview of everything. Uh, we, we see the beginning of the, the church of Philippi and the churches of Galatia and, and, and Ephesians and all these things that, that, that we read about. In detail, we see in the macro as a big giant canvas with a timeline to bring us from point A all the way across. And then, the, and then most of those books after it go back and they fill in like this. And, and I, I like stuff like that. I've got several charts because I'm a visual person because there's, <laughs> there's not a lot going on up here. So I, I, it doesn't work real well. So I need those visual things. So I like to, I have charts and all these things that I like to have up so I can go look at them and remind myself, okay, wait a second. So when this was happening, this was going on and this was going on. And oh, hey, that's, oh, that's why that happened there. Okay, it gives you a, a broader understanding of, of what's going on, not just the things that you read about. Because when we read them, a lot of times we're just reading them like, like garnering information instead of seeing the actual picture, seeing the actual event, the way it actually happened as much as we can. Does that make sense? I mean... You read a book, and then they make a movie out of it. Well, the book's always better than the movie, right? But what's great about the movie is you get to see, you know, something in 3D, so to speak. You know, or in, not 3D, but in three dimensions so that you actually see it like we are here. I remember uh, years ago I read a book, and I can't remember. It was one of those uh, um, John Grisham books. And I don't know about you, but when I read, in my mind, it creates... A, a moving picture story, okay? I see the descriptions, if it's a good author, right? I see descriptions, and I see those things in my head. And, and, and when, I, when they made a movie out of, out of uh, one of his books, I was amazed that a lot of the, the people, the actors, looked pretty close to what I had in my head, okay, which is rare, okay, very rare. Um, so the reason I'm saying that is because when, when you look at these things, we want to see them kind of as they happen, not just 
this happened, this happened, this happened, like a reference book. Uh, although it is a reference book, but more than that, it's a book about life and how things work, how God works in life. Why? Because he is life, right? Amen? All right, let's make sure everybody's awake. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so Acts chapter 3. Um, and just a reminder, what comes before Acts? Right, John, the, the Gospels, the four Gospels, which are pretty significant, right? Okay, so historically, in reality, a lot has happened in the previous three and a half years, right? That all of Israel and, and even the Middle East is aware that something has really happened. This guy, Jesus, you know, people don't always know everything about him, but, but within the, within the uh, nation of Israel, everybody has heard of him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the, the council, these guys, this is all that they have had on their mind. This is all that they have had uh, to deal with from their perspective and have plotted against for the last three plus years before we get to the book of Acts. Now, now what happens at the beginning of the book of Acts? Super significant. Anybody remember? Come on. The ascension, right. Okay, so you get basically the end of the Gospels, right? Jesus is resurrected and makes himself known, and there's about 40 days there. And then all of a sudden, the book of Acts, we see them go with Jesus. Uh, and just flip over there real quick. Uh, but they're, they're all assembled together, okay? And uh, you've got the, the ascension here in, uh, oh, let's pick it up in verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, okay? When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, or kingdom to Israel? We're not going to get into that tonight, but it has to do with the two kingdoms, kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They were looking for the physical kingdom to be restored, uh, ignoring the spiritual one uh, more than they should have. Verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Okay, that's his answer. Verse 8 starts with a but, so pay attention, all right? But ye, okay, because he's told them, okay, it's not for you to know this thing. But here's what's for you. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And uh, this is a huge event, right? And what I love is the Holy Spirit of God tells you right there very plainly that this didn't just happen. It wasn't just like one minute they're talking to him and then they turn around and, oh my gosh, he's gone. What happened? No, they, they beheld him Ascending up into heaven. Wow. Amazing, right? But look at this next verse. Because we're, we're going to see a pattern starting here. Well, actually, it starts in the Gospels, but we see it continue here. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Why are you standing around here watching him? 
This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem. Um, so they're used to having Jesus around and doing the things he told them. When he was gone, when he was in the tomb for three days, what state were they in? What? Grief. That's right. Which is legit, okay, uh, to a point. Fear, absolutely. Because, you know, they're not the most popular people with, with the leadership of Israel, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so they know, they, they're, they're in fear. They're, they're grieving. They're confused. They're fearful. And they're just kind of hanging out. And then all of a sudden, we know what happened on that third day. And boom. And, and boy. Peter and James, these guys, they're running to find out what's up. And, and, and all these great things happen. And then for that, what, next 40 days, you, you've, you've got this interaction with him and, and the disciples. Uh, we won't even get into what happens there in, what is it, Matthew 27, where uh, the graves of, of a lot of folks were opened and they them were walking around proclaiming Jesus, okay? There's some crazy stuff going on. So... You could say there's an upheaval going on in, in the nation of Israel, all right, for this time period. And then he ascends up and they're gone. They're gone. And, you know, they're standing there watching him go, I'm sure in awe, right? I mean, that, you don't see that every day, right? But at the same time now, he, he's gone again. Now, he's given them instructions, right? A lot of instructions, but some very specific instructions right here. And he also gave them a promise. Hey, he, you're going to receive power. Don't worry about this. You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And your job is to, is to use that power to go out and take the gospel to the uttermost, right? So they watch him going up. What, what do you think that conversation was like? Do, do you think he's coming back down? Do, is, is he going to come back and get us? Or is he going up and now flying over to the temple? Is he going to come down and wipe them all out and, and we'll go in? I, I don't know. But I'm sure there's a whole, that and a whole lot more, you know, Can you see him anymore? You know, just like us. Can you still see him? And here's these two guys, angels. Like, hey, what are you guys doing? Now, wh wh why do they say that? Maybe. I think they understand humans pretty well, though. They've been around humans longer than any other human, right? Yes. Yes. That, that's exactly it. It's like, what, what are you guys doing? Why, why are you just standing here still looking up and all this stuff when he already told you what to do? All right? 
So guess what? He's going to come back in like manner. But you got your marching orders. <laughs> go. Let's go. Get busy. All right? So, again, pretty momentous things going on. Because, you know, they didn't keep that to themselves, right? They're going, they're telling everybody else about what just happened. And the commission, as Sharon's talking about, that they were given, and they're starting to preach that. And you see this, you know, they, they immediately, after this too, once they go back to Jerusalem, they replace uh, Judas with Matthias, right? And uh, in chapter 2, what happens? The day of Pentecost, okay? And everybody's come, uh, Jews, those who were born Jews, those that are converted, those from all over are coming, and Peter preaches this great message. It's a very detailed message, right? Very detailed. And the Holy Ghost comes upon it, as, as they talked about. And in fact, in verse 8 of chapter 2, it says, And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So a lot of times people say, well, they spoke in tongues there. No, they, they didn't speak in tongues. They heard in tongues. A lot of times people say, oh, Acts chapter 2, man, they're speaking in tongues. It's not what it says, okay? Uh, in fact, starting verse 7, look at it. It says, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Okay, talking about, talking about the disciples, and in particular Peter. Uh, and, and look at verse 8 again. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. So they're speaking, they're preaching, and every man is hearing, okay, in their tongue. You know, uh, Sharon, maybe it's hearing in Spanish. Somebody else is, you know, is, is hearing uh, in Hebrew. Somebody else is hearing in, in uh, Greek. Somebody else is hearing in, in wherever they're from, wherever the says specifically the tongue in which they were born. That's even more amazing to me, okay? And it goes through and it tells you everything that's going on. And then in verse 14 is where you see, see uh, Peter stand. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And, and then he takes off in this great message, um, which is not a feel-good uh, it's definitely not a modern message <laughs> to, that you would hear today. It's very detailed that, hey, this is what God did. This is what we have done. We have messed it up all the way through. We, we have missed out and missed out. Verse 27 says, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He's going back to, to uh, Psalm 22 there. He keeps giving them scripture, keeps giving them their history, keeps giving them their Terrible testimony before God. And then look at this. Uh, Pick up verse 32. Um, yeah, verse 32. Peter says, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Talking about the fact that the Holy Ghost has come upon them, and the fact that they can hear, you know, you know, at the UN, you see them all with the little thing on their ear, because there's translators up in up in the balcony, so to speak, uh, who are translating what's being said by whoever's speaking into their language. 
Well, see, see, when God does stuff, you don't need translators. God right here, let everybody hear without one of those earpieces, without a translator, heard exactly what they were saying. And so they're just blown away. It, that also, by the way, what that really, what God was doing there was letting them know the message you are hearing, what you are seeing, what he's telling you is real and is from me because that is a sign, right? A wonder. That's what God does as a bona fide to, to, to the nation of Israel to say, hey, this is, this is me and this is for real. You're a stiff-necked generation. You require a sign. Here's a sign. Maybe it was, here's your sign, <laughs> you know? And so what happens? Look down here, verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now here's what's awesome. These people respond correctly, right? The very next verse, which is the beginning of a new paragraph, he's done with that. Man, they are cut to their heart. In fact, he says, he says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and sent unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They, are, they recognize that, that God is, is at work here. And that they have really screwed up, and they're like, what do we do about this? And he lays it out for them. So again, momentous things going on, not just the last three years, but boom, right here, right now, today. Right? You with me? You seeing this? Yes? No? Wave? Okay. I just want to make sure we're all here. So here's where we're picking it up. Look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, and, and tonight I want to show you two things that I think are big problems in the church today that I believe with all my heart. Um, so let, let's just take a minute and just read with me for time's sake here, starting in verse 1. You know the story. Now Peter and John went up together unto the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting, expecting to receive something of them. What was his expectation? Money, yeah, alms. He expected them to give it because they, they fastened their lives, eyes on him and said, look on us, look. So he's expecting, oh, hey. He has an expectation. What happens? Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Now, look on me. I try to be funny. It's just my face, unfortunately. 
they know who the guy is. They know what's going on. You guys know the story, right? Okay, and they are just like, wow, this is pretty cool, right? You think that, you think that was pretty cool? Yes? Yeah, okay. I didn't know what to do. His expectation was money. He got something better, didn't he? Okay. Watch what happens on the very next verse. Verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Now I want you to pay attention to what Peter says. Led of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? I don't think that is the response that everybody was expecting. Do you? Because it's a rebuke. Why would he rebuke them over this? <laughs> yep. Exactly. I mean, they've had all this stuff going on for over three years, and they've had, you know, the ascension and the rumors and, and everything about that going on, and then the day of Pentecost has gone on. Everybody has heard about this, okay? It's like small town, all right? It's not, a lot of people think, oh my gosh, this, but this is a city like Kansas City of, you know, two and a half million. No. There weren't as many people, okay? And everybody knew. News travels fast, right? It really traveled fast then, okay, because of the, the uh, word of mouth. So here it is, and oh gosh, the alms guy. And his rebuke is, what, why, why are you marveling at this? But remember when we went over principles of Bible study? We talked about two words that are really key to pay attention to in the Word of God. The words like and as. You remember that? So I want you to look again in verse 12, and look at this. Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. See, their, their problem is the same one that the lame man had. And this is the picture. What, what God is showing them is, you guys are the lame guy. Sitting at alms, asking, 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 when God has already given you everything you need. And then when the man of God, or in this case, men of God come by, and you ask of alms, and they look at you, they acknowledge that you're asking, and they say, look at you, your, his expe expectation was that he would get what he was asking for, right? Because in his world, that's what he needed. Is that what he needed? If it was what he needed, then that's what God would have given him but it's not what he needed. He needed healing. Right? So what was the problem here? 
What, what's the problem? Asking for the wrong thing. Why do we ask for the wrong thing? You're right. But there's a word in here, okay, and I've used it several times now. All right. Look in verse 5. Read it again for yourselves. Where is their mistake? Because it's the same one that the layman had. Expecting. They had the wrong expectation. The nation of Israel has had the wrong expectation. Even his disciples have had the wrong expectation. They are concentrated on the physical kingdom. They have asked him over and over for the last three plus years. And what has he told them every time? Hey, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven. That's the physical. The kingdom of God is already coming to your hearts. He's letting them know this is a spiritual battle we're dealing with. Your need is not to get back to ruling yourselves and Israel on top. That's going to happen with Jesus, right? But now think about your own life. How many times have you thought, man, if I could just, you know, things are just going wrong. If I could just get back to X, Y, Z, then everything would be fine, right? Am I the only one that think, has ever thought that? If I could just get back to that, then everything would be normal. If I could just fix this. Well, here's the problem. Kim, you could teach this right now, <laughs> all right? The problem is... Where you were is what got you where you're at. So going back to that, is that going to fix the problem? No. And, and the guy is lame, so he thinks the, the solution to his problems is, I just need, I need more money. And, and, and people would say, well, of course he does. I mean, he, he has to be able to eat and everything. No, that's not his need. His, his expectations are not correct. What he needs is healing, right? This lame man is a picture of Israel, and, and, and God is giving them this picture and saying, look, guys, this is you, lame. The problem is not that I have, haven't come back and elevated you and set up the kingdom. I'm going to do that. I mean, go back to chapter 1. Go back there. Look, look, remember what they said in verse 6? Lord, wilt thou again, I'm sorry, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Their focus is still restoring the kingdom. Now, if they'd accepted him, if the nation of Israel had accepted them, that would have happened. We know they didn't. God knew they weren't going to. But he gives them every opportunity to. But their focus is still on the wrong thing. In other words, their expectation is not what it needs to be. It's not a bad expectation. The guy does have need, right? He does need to eat. But if he could walk, if he was healed, then he could work. Now, today's world, that's a bad word sometimes, I guess, but... In most of history, people are like, I just want to be able to work and support myself, right? Say again. Used to be. Yeah, used to be. 
Are you seeing this? The nation of Israel is lame. How many times in Proverbs, how many times throughout the history of Israel has God told them, hey, a message sent by a lame man or a man with unequal feet, that message is not going to get there. <laughs> hey, Israel, you're, you're as a lame man. Hey, Israel, you, you, and he keeps telling them and keeps telling them. They're like, yeah, yeah, oh, we know that, you know. So are, are you going to fix this? And you and I are like that. That's the problem in the church today. The expectation, and again, I'm not just talking about the modern church. That's kind of obvious to people in a church like ours. But you and I do the same thing. My expectation is, God, you need to do this. Right? Yeah. And the other times, that's how we're operating. We're just not thinking that way, right? I catch myself doing it all the time. I'm not thinking that way, but I'm operating that way. And that's what Israel is doing. Even when Jesus has been right there, okay, their focus is still on restore the kingdom. What does he say? Don't worry about it. That's not, that's not your purview. But here's what you are going to get and what you need to do. All right? Well, what's cool is it looks like they got the message. Because now they, God is using them to bring that message. And so here they are. In fact, look on down here in, in Acts chapter 3. Look at the rest of what he has to say. Peter. He says, I'll pick it up in 12 again. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power? or holiness, we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, wherefore we are witnesses. They're all excited, right? Wow, look at that. The, the, the guy asked for alms at the beautiful gate, man, he's up. What a miracle, this is great. Our expectations, when they're not God's, are way lower than the expectations God has for us. Didn't he say, Hey, you, you can't even imagine the things that I have for you, right? And we're like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's so true. Hey, but, you know, uh, here's what I need. Here's, here's what I want. Because I want to, and, you know, and I'm not saying because there's a bad motive. Because if I had that, then I could be at church more. I could help uh, in a certain ministry, or I could do this, or I could do that. You know, or, or like me, I'm like, Man, Lord, if you just let me win the lottery, I could do so much, right? As if God needed the lottery money to be in my hands to, to, for him to use it. I'm not, if you do the lottery, no problem, okay? I, I'm, I'm not saying, 
I'm just saying, God doesn't need you or I to win the lottery to do what he wants to do. And if he wants to, then yeah, he will. But he doesn't need that. These folks are looking at this miracle, and God's like, man, you are missing the forest for the trees, right? You understand that saying? That's what's going on. They're excited about that, and then they're doing what we see today in the modern church. But it's been going on in individuals, Christians, you and I included, forever. And that is, people lavish the praise on you and say, oh, man, that's so cool how God used you, man. You, you, you must really have a good walk with the Lord. And, and man, you know, can I, can I learn? Can I do this or with you? Can you teach me? Look, this is what he's saying. You're missing what God has for you because your expectations are, you think are so great. And God says, no, they are so low compared to what I have for you. And you're focused on the wrong things. The expectation is way up here. Uh, hold your place here, but go over to Revelations. Well, I mean, where have we been for the last several months, right? Go, go over to Revelation 3. Now, you've just spent the last several months looking at all seven church ages laid out in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, right? Right? Okay. And you've seen the rebuke God has given to every church, church age, and, and the praise given to, to all but one that has been given to them. Right? But, but look at the one that we're in, that you guys just went through. Because, again, this is something we know, but, but what do you do to combat this? In your personal walk, what do I do to make sure that I'm not falling to this? Because, because look down here. Oh, let's see, verse 17, Revelation 3:17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's the church today, right? I mean, that's, that's got to be the easiest one to see of all, really, outside of maybe Philadelphia with the open door. They're thinking, hey, we got that. I mean, my gosh, you know, we're sending missionaries all over the world, and, and we're, we're building these big, giant churches, and, you know, we are telling people about Jesus, and we're doing all these things. We are so rich. We even sing songs about how rich we are in God and how great we are in God. And, you know, as if the power and the miracle happens because of us. Which was Peter's point to them. Right? Isn't that exactly what he said? Why, why marvel ye? <laughs> okay. As though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk in today's world. People start, oh, wow, they're so great. And, and then we start, you know, playing that game of, well, I'm not going to acknowledge it, but, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and lap that up, you know, and let everybody think that, yeah. Because really, I mean, I was here, and God used me to, to say these things and, and to do this. And so, man, you know, God must really be pleased with me. I must be doing something right. 
Right. That's exactly right. You, you, you know what, what I have, have noticed the older I've gotten? Not that I'm old. Uh, the older I've gotten is that, that I've, I've seen where the people who really do serve the Lord with humility don't ever want to take, they, they, they shun the praise. They shun those things. They're not comfortable with it. You know why? Because they understand I'm a tool in the hand of God, and, and I'm the lucky one, the fortunate one, to be a part of what God's doing. But, but he's the one that does it all. And the expectation is now change. You, you know what happens? When your expectation is like this, this, this man, and by contrast then the nation of Israel, is that, man, miracles are great. Well, miracles are great. Boy, just says, hey, how much better the one who not seeing believes, right? That's the whole key here is your expectation. Our expectation is so low compared to what God actually wants to use us for. And so we have excuses built in as to why God doesn't work like that anymore. Really? I understand differences as far as signs and wonders and who they belong to, but God's still the same God today as he was yesterday and the day before and the day, because he's, he's God. So God does work that way still. Now, he might not do X, Y, Z anymore, but God can still do the impossible. In fact, he tells us he's the God of impossibles. He's the God who does things, and he's just looking for some of us to be willing to just say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. You know, what's that old saying in, in not just sports? I hear it in sports a lot, but I, I heard it before that. But it's, the best ability is availability. And we say we're available. Hey, God, here am I. You send me. But what we really mean is, Lord, here am I. Here's, here's my schedule. And, uh, well, here, Lord, I'll put it here. I'll even burn it on the altar, okay? Um, and do a bit, you know. But here's my schedule. Can you fit in boom, 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 boom? And we got a whole grocery list. Not a prayer list. We call it a prayer list. But it's a grocery list. Lord, I need this, and I need, oh, and you'll have to squeeze that in between this and this on Tuesday, okay? And um, I, I need this, and uh, I'm available at those times. We, we want God to do things in our time, on our time, in our time, and on time. As if God ever does anything that's not on time. Now, we know that. We don't operate that way. And boy, he is, he's letting them know, look. And, and I'll be honest, I love modern music, so to speak. I'm a rock and roller from way back. Um, you know, married a country girl, uh, well, a girl from the country, and, uh, and found, found country music apparently along with everybody else in the 80s and 90s, and rock and roll disappeared, and country music's big, and guess what? 
I'm still as much as in, in as much need today as I was way back then, the old rock and roller. My expectations have changed. Not always for the good. For good things, but not always just totally submitted and saying, here, Lord, send me and actually mean it. Anybody ever here ever heard of a guy named George Mueller? George Mueller. One of my favorite people. How about a guy named C.T. Studd? C.T. Studd was like the Michael Jordan of his time. In fact, if you go over to Oxford, the biggest stained glass picture is of C.T. Studd. He was a cricket player. He was the best of the best. Like I say, he was the Michael Jordan of his day. Okay? Everybody knew him. Well, guess what? His grandmother was a Christian, and he ended up getting saved. He was, you know, he was born into, into wealth and into money. He got saved. God pricked his heart to preach and to get involved in missions and then brought, brought a young lady across his path who had the same ambitions and put them together also from wealth there at school in Oxford. They both, at age 25, I believe it is, were due to inherit a ton of money. Now, me, I'd be like, wow, you know what? We can, we can take that, all that money, and we can use it for the glory of God. And we can do this, and we can do that, and we can start this, and we can do, we can do all these things. Good heart, right? I, I mean, honestly, if that was it. I just, I want to take all this. You know what they did? This is the difference. They said, Lord, if we spend even one dime of this money, then somebody's going to say, it's, it, you did this. So they gave away every single farthing they received. Gave it away, and actually it ended up starting some great things, such as the Salvation Army, Mr. Booth and his daughters. Not the Salvation Army you see today, which is the non-Salvation Army, as I like to call them, but, but some that, had, that won tons and tons and tons of people to Christ. That was one of the four major things they did. They just gave it to people that God laid on their heart, gave it away, and they went out with nothing and said, Lord, if we can't depend on you, then this isn't real. And everything they ever did, God provided without any of the money that they had at all because he had their heart. And they had a biblical expectation. They said, hey, this is our God, and we don't want anything to stand in the way of him getting all the glory. If we use any of our money, that can be a hindrance. People say, well, you, you did that. You, you bought that. Can you, can you imagine, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything, but some of these people that are on TV taking that kind of attitude, you know, the ones that are begging you for money, 
send you some oil or a prayer cloth or, you know, Humpty Dumpty. I don't know what, man. See, their, their expectation and their way, I, I won't even get into doctrine or are they even saved sometimes, way different than the Bible's, way different than these folks that said, hey, I just want to make sure God gets all the glory because if he doesn't, then what, what, what am I doing? Expectations were different. And, and notice here that Peter doesn't go light on them. He loves them. This is, these are his people, right? He loves them. He wants to see them. He, he, you know, just as Paul later, man, would the God that Israel would come to Christ. He's, he's got that heart for them. But he's gotten the message because he's been the guy Right? Open mouth and insert foot constantly, right? I mean, that's been Peter's life as we know it. He's jumping up. He's even, you know, cutting the ear off the, the, the high priest's servant there in the garden. Like, like the God of the universe needs his protection. Now, I understand his heart and his motive. I, I, that would be me. I'd want to be like, nope, they're not taking my God. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> my God needs me to protect him. How powerful is that, is that God? Is this making sense? Because this is one of the big problems I believe in the church today. We don't have biblical ex expectations. We have Christian expectations. We have Bible-believing expectations. If they don't match this in motive and in action, this is going to be a problem. And, and, and here's the thing. Uh, turn over to, to Acts chapter 4, the last part of it. W one of the reasons for that, I believe, uh, is found here, at least illustrated, I believe. Um, and let's pick it up here. Now, you know what happens in Acts chapter 4, right? Peter and, and, and John are arrested. I mean, after all this has happened in, in uh, Acts chapter 3, they're arrested, okay? Um, let's see. Look at verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Look what happened, though, what was going on in verse 4. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Now, we're hearing about Jesus speaking to and feeding the, the 5,000, the 4,000. But look, remember Jesus said, greater things shalt thou do. Boy, here they are. And 5,000 people are, hear that and they believe. That's amazing. But I don't really hear about that part very much when people talk about the book of Acts. That's awesome. Verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. We don't even get into that verse. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, 
by what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. So once again, this lesson is for Israel. And it's now progressed from the people to the rulers. The people were like, oh my gosh, what? And, and he rebukes them, but in love and preaches to them. 5,000 of them believe. They're pricked in their heart, they believe. But not the rulers. Because their expectation is, we got to keep our power. We got to keep our way of life. We got to keep what we, what's ours. Because we are the guardians of the universe. I mean, of Israel. <laughs> you know, same mentality. Their expectation wasn't a biblical expectation, start to finish. And so, what's cool to me is it's like it's like being led into a trap and I'm not talking about Peter and John I'm talking about the rulers of Israel because God set this thing up knows this is going on because what happens now they come in and Peter gets to preach again and give them the word of God keeping it between them and God not between him and them so he goes through, he's preaching to them, he's telling them what's going on. He's very clear about it, okay? Uh, verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These are the enemy, they're enemies, God's enemies. And beholding the man which was healed standing uh, with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? Anybody else see? I mean, this is like, why is this the question? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong expectation. Keep coming down here. Uh, we know what happened. Um, Let's see, verse 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Now the Holy Spirit of God put that in there because, guess what? They wanted to deny it. They wanted to deny that this had happened. They couldn't. Why? All Jerusalem knew about it. Okay. Like I said, these things spread quickly. Verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And we know what happened, uh, you know, so when they... In fact, verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. 
for all men glorified God for that which was done. Now, you know what? If you're a ruler of Israel, shouldn't your expectation be that we are going to lead them so that they glorify God in all Israel? Isn't that their job? One of their jobs as a leader in Israel? But they're upset. Your mind gets twisted pretty easily when you leave the Word of God and you get spiritual and Christian and not biblical. And it gets twisted and twisted to where the next thing you know, you're, you're having a wine party, you know, at church. <laughs> that happens a lot more than maybe some of you know. You want to drink wine? Fine. I'm, I'm, but at church? I mean, there's... These things get ridiculous. So come on there, because here's what I want you to see, because this is the other part and, and really t shows us what's missing today in the church, in us. Come down here to, uh, uh, give me a second, okay, verse 24. And when they heard that, uh, I'm sorry, 23, and being let go, they went to their own company, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of David. You can read this, I want you, but, but notice, man, they, they cover like all three heavens. I mean, they're, they are praying in earnest. I mean, this is, they are praying, praising God, acknowledging him. They are not. They are not doing what I see and hear in Christianity today, which is to praise the fact that we love God so much, and He's just so good to us, you know. And because of that, we are so good, and, and so we're able to do this or that. And really, it's it's all about how much they love God and how much they are serving God. And, how much we just love you and how much we feel for you, instead of all the praise going to God, all the honor going to God, all the acknowledging going to God for everything that he has done, not what they have done, what I have done. Now watch this. They're praying. They are praying earnestly. And they come down. Let's pick it up. Uh, verse 29. And now, Lord, Behold their threatenings. And grant, remember they're threatening them. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Don't do all this stuff. Okay? And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. They've got it right, don't they? They are praying earnestly, they're praying directly, they're acknowledging him, and they're saying, hey, we want help, help us to be what we need to be through Jesus. Not so that we can be, you know, the next great whoever with a prayer cloth and some oil. Look at verse 31, because here's where the river meets the road, and we're going to fill out these seven things. Watch this, and when they had prayed... The place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. 
Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who by the apostles surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here's what I see is maybe the greatest thing lacking in the church today. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the modern church that's lacking even a Bible, a real Bible. I'm talking about those that do. Uh, because it's, it's the number one thing lacking in my life, I'll just be honest. And that is prayer. And I mean real prayer. Prayer like you see right here. So, well, how do I know if I'm praying like that? Well, the Bible, of course, gives you how to know. The easiest thing is like you know anything else. By the fruit, ye shall know them. He, he says in John 15, I would that you have fruit and that your fruit remain, right? So prayer, again, our expectation of prayer doesn't match the Bible's expectation of prayer. We're talking about prayer. Uh, I'm thinking of one guy I read about one time. This thing has stuck with me for 35 years now. And I still am way lacking. But he talks about his his um, household talked about how that he stained the walls of his room with the breath of his prayers because he prayed all the time. He got up early to pray. Now, maybe you guys, uh, like me at times, have a schedule where you say, okay, I'm going to get up early to read my Bible. I hope, you, I hope you do, or stay up late, or do whatever you, you need to do to do that so that you can get in the Word of God. How many of us, though, have taken the time and said, I'm going to get up early, or I'm going to stay up late, or I'm going to take this section out of, out of my, my day and commit it to prayer, specific prayer, earnest prayer, because, let's face it, people... You know, we, we talk about a prayer list, and we share things with each other and say, okay, I'm praying for you. And, and probably, like me, when I hear that, I pray on the spot usually, and then I want to pray later. I'll be honest, I don't always go then and spend that time later in prayer. But I told them, I'll be praying for you. And I'm lying. Not on purpose. My intention is not to, but I'm lying. Because I don't always go and pray like I ought. Because my expectation is, well, you know, there's a need, so I prayed on the spot, so we got it done, right? Oh, so we just need a quick prayer and everything will be fine, right? Is that the purpose of prayer? I mean, the reality is God doesn't even need me to pray, but he commands me to pray how often? All ways. I don't. 
I'm disobedient in that. If I did, if we did, if we would take specific prayer time, I, I, I know of a few people in our, in our church that take it very seriously. I won't throw out names uh, because it's not important. The, the praise is not to them, but, but it, they are an example to me because I know they have a prayer, uh, what's called a war room. Any of you seen that movie, The War Room? It's a great, it's a great story, man. It's a great practice, a great way to approach prayer. A.W. Tozer said back in the 50s, 50s, 70 years ago, the problem with the modern church of today is they see the world as their playground instead of a battleground. And when you don't see it as it is in truth, then, then how can you pray for it? How can you go to a war room? How can you strategize and, and, and like David said, Lord, teach my hands to war. What, what are we doing to pursue that earnestly with a biblical expectation? Because when you do, here's what happens. There are seven things laid out right here that tell us how to tell when we're praying as we ought. Look at them. Pick it up there in verse uh, 31 again. And we're going to fill this out and talk about it. Now, again, I know this is when the nation of Israel still has an opportunity to accept Christ. Uh, we know they didn't. Um, but, again, all of Scripture is profitable, right? We have three applications. And regardless of the doctrine, we have a practical application that we're supposed to be living and applying. All right? Verse 31 at the paragraph mark, it says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. When you pray, when I pray, the way I ought, man, things get shook up. Either my life or somebody else's life or an event. But man, when, when we pray as we ought, boy, things get shaken up, man. Here, it's physically, the, the, the whole place starts shaking. If, if just, what we got here, 20 people? And, and whoever else is online there? We're going to see it later. If, if just all of us committed to pray earnestly, not for ourselves even, but pray for it for just one hour a day, just one hour, that's 124th, what's that? What's still 124th, <laughs> right, of our day. That's all. Do you think things would just be the same next week as they are today? I don't. I think some things would get shaken up. Look at the next thing. It says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now, I know... We don't get filled with the Holy Ghost because we have the Holy Ghost in us, right? But they didn't. We have that. But, the, but what we have is, is more powerful. What we have is a greater opportunity. What, what we're talking about here, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. We already are. So the question is, how much of the Holy Ghost does 
have, I'm sorry, how much of us does the Holy Ghost have? The Holy Ghost is in you right now. How much of you, your time, your desires, your expectations does he have? Because it's like me, it's not 100%. I am willing to confess some things, but I'm not going to give you the percentage it would be for me because it'd be embarrassing. But filled, okay, where he's got me. He has my desires. He has my attention. He has all my expectations. My hopes and dreams are not mine. My hopes and dreams are, Lord, what are yours for me? What are yours? Actually, let's just not even think about me. What is it that you're doing that I can be a part of? Because I, let me ask something. Did any of you, as young children living at home, um, I know some, some people have better home lives than others, but did you really worry about your next meal, your clothes? We worry about things. We have expectations that are not biblical. And we're asking for things that we don't even need to be asking for. We're asking for the wrong things. He's already provided everything that we need. If I'm, they they were filled. If I allow him to fill me or, or to be filled with him where he's got complete control, you think things would be the same next week? Because I don't. Look at this. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Here's the other thing that happens. Now it's getting real. You'll start speaking the word of God with boldness. Not brashness. That's what I did in my youth as a Christian with boldness when you're when, when we're praying as we ought the next thing that happens is our mouth starts opening and the holy spirit of god directs our tongue and our lips because he has our hearts amen so if that's not happening then i know this isn't happening because this isn't happening my life isn't shaken up enough you know, sometimes the things that happen in your life and you think, oh my gosh, things are falling apart. That's God just shaking things up because he's got better things for us. And he's trying to get our attention. Look at the next thing. In verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Man, when we start saying it, all of a sudden, we as a body become of one heart and one soul, just like you see with them. Why? You said, well, because we, we're all thinking this. No, I'll tell you why. Because now my heart is his heart. My soul longs for the things that he longs for, not the things I long for. And not that there's anything wrong with the things I wrong for necessarily. 
But if they're not the things that he longs for, well, then they're not the right things, even though they're not the wrong things. You following me or am I confusing you on that? Okay. We get distracted by good things. I mean, the devil doesn't come in here for most of us and start, you know, trying to ply us with wine, women, and song. He comes in and he tries to get us to do good things that aren't the right things that God wants us to be doing. Because he's wily. He's a deceiver, a liar, John 8 tells us. Okay, look at the next thing. Uh, so you pick it up here in the middle of 32. He says, and neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. That's the result of that one heart and one soul. But they had all things common. Now watch this. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. When we start praying right, man, the power of God, not of us, but the power of God starts moving in our lives for us not just to speak with both, but man, to move at his, at his will, okay? I mean, look at that. He says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. We start witnessing, okay? Truly witnessing. What, what does that mean? What's a witness? Okay, show me words. A, a witness is somebody who was there when something happened. So how do we give witness of the resurrection? Were you there? Were you there at the resurrection? I was there at my resurrection. The day I got saved and resurrected from the dead. We passed from death into life. That's the resurrection. The power of God moves us to tell that story about how God resurrected us from the dead. We don't think of that. If we did, you wouldn't see your lost neighbors and friends and co-workers and family as just other people that, you know, we're just trying to read. You'd see them. They're the real walking dead, as were we. And we want to tell them about the resurrection that happened in our life. Not beat them to death with a Bible, okay? Not badger them to death, but just tell them with the power of God, because this, this progression happens, we start telling them about the resurrection that happened that we saw. I'm a personal witness to my resurrection. Look at the last part of that verse. And great grace was upon them all. I don't know about you, but I need more grace in my life. And by that, I don't mean I'm looking for more grace. God has given me more grace than I deserve by half, okay, by a ton. But look at it again, because here, here's the key. And great grace was upon them all. I, I want, and what will happen for us is that the grace of God will start pouring off of us onto others because we have it in such abundance it spills out on others. That's the effect of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. That's, the, that's, that's what's not happening today in the world. 
in this country. You think there's more Christians today than there were even 10 years ago in this country? No way. It's not even close. That means that the influence of the Holy Spirit of God has waned. And a lot of it is because a lot of us are not being filled. We're not, we're not at that point where we're allowing the Holy Spirit of God to have all of us. And then that grace that we have already received, that resurrection, just starts spilling off of us onto other people around us. Have you ever known somebody that just loved the Lord and you knew, man, if I just stay close to this person, some of it's going to get on me. I have. And I learned so much from it. And it encouraged me and it gave me confidence in Christ, not in that person, but in Christ that, hey, that is my God. And I've never seen it like that, even though he's been right there in front of me all this time telling me over and over. But I'm a little thick, but now I'm seeing it. I forgot how I said that. Great grace. And the last thing is seen in these last, the, the next two verses. Watch this. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now listen to me. Okay? I'm going to say this as clear as I can and then we'll be done. Nobody bleeds red, white, and blue more than I do. I love this country. I hate what's happening to it. But the bottom line is that this country is where it's at today because Christians are not where they ought to be and haven't been for a long time because these things aren't happening. This country is a result of things being shaken up in Christians' lives who the Holy Spirit of God has their whole life, flaws and all, and they start speaking the word of God and talking about it with boldness because their heart and soul is one because the power of God is seeing their life and they are telling folks about what God has done in their lives to resurrect them from the dead and great grace just spill, has spilled out on this country. Are you seeing any of these happening today on the whole? Okay, this is not a, hey, we've got to have a revival to save America. America is not going to be saved, guys. Okay? It doesn't grieve anybody more than it grieves me. But my job is not to save America. My mission is this, to pray to the point these things happen, to the point that this, la this last one is... Um, well, this last part, verse 35, every man, I'm sorry, uh, and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he, as he had need. Verse 34, the first right, neither was there any among them that lacked. 
that lacked. You know why the government wants so much more of your money? Because Christians no longer are rich in grace. And so, if we pray as we ought, these things happen to the point that there is no lack in the body of Christ of the things that are needed. Distribution is made by the Holy Spirit of God through the church. Those things, and I'm not talking about just physical needs here. I'm talking spiritual, emotional needs, which are great today, right? When real power, real prayer happens, these things are the result. When these things are not the result, real prayer has not happened. I'll commit with you guys to start committing time every day to pray. And let's see some things happen. I'm not, I'm not praying again. I, America's not, that, that's not even what's important. It's these lost souls all around us. It's encouraging and building up others to be able to, to disciple and to go out and win others to Christ right here in Harrisonville and all across the world. But it won't happen without this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you so much for the Lord Jesus.